Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Amen. Listen, while you're still standing, if you will, take your Bible and turn with me. Uh, I want to start in the book of Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, ladies and guys, so much for leading us into uh, worship, leading us into the presence of the Lord. Luke chapter 15, and we're going to go with, down to uh, verse 21. The Lord has been dealing with me on the subject of, of identity. And so I just want to share this morning because I just feel that, that perhaps there might be those who are struggling or perhaps God's wanting to bring something and put it in front of us to recognize uh, what's going on in our culture today. Luke chapter 15, <clears throat> beginning with verse 21, we're just going to kind of go right in the middle of this story of the prodigal son. You know the story, you're very familiar with it, uh, how this son wanted to uh, go out and do things on his own. So he requested of his father that his father would give him his inheritance. So he leaves home and goes out and begins doing his own thing. The result of that was that he found himself without anything. He left with everything and found himself with, without anything. But what I want to bring out this morning, uh, and I'm not going to be long, but what I want to bring out this morning is what identifies you as a Christian? How are you identified as a Christian? So we're going to talk about that. Luke chapter 15, verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Father, thank you today for life that is in your word. Thank you this morning, Father, that your word, you said, was like the rain that came down from heaven and the snow that watered the earth and caused it to bring forth and bud. Thank you today that your word will cause life to bring forth, life to come forth, and cause a blooming of the kingdom of God in our lives, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take your seat. Thank you so much for standing. <clears throat> this thing about identity uh, can be seen 
all the way from Genesis all the way down through uh, the end of the book of Revelation, or of the Revelation. And the reason being is that you are known by your identity. You, most of you in here this morning, all of you, uh, if you're breathing today, you've got a social security number. That social security number is an, an ID number that identifies you by who you are. Nobody else is supposed to have your social number. No wonder thieves, crooks, and scammers are always trying to get your social number. Because if they can get your social number, they get access to everything about who you are. And that is a sign or a picture of the, the time that we're living in. Because the arch deceiver, Satan, through his demonic powers, are doing everything they can to rob the church of her identity. And when I say rob the church of her identity, then he, I am saying that he is robbing us of our identity. Because we are the church. We are the individuals of the body of Christ. We're the ones that make up the church. And so if we lose our identity, if we lose who we are in Christ, then the, the enemy's mission will be accomplished. <clears throat> in the Old Testament, in the book, the prophetic book of Daniel. It is, it is a great picture of what the enemy wants to do. I said you're identified by your social number. You're also identified by your name. You can be in a group of a hundred people and you can hear your name called and it will cause you to turn your head. I can be in a group of a thousand people or five people and hear my name called and I know that they're talking to me because nobody else has my name. I know y'all are jealous. You can name your children after me. It'd be all right. But we're identified by the name. We're identified by the name that we were given by birth. We're identified, uh, we're identified by our character. We're identified by the words that we speak. We're identified by the attitude that we're, we carry. You see, identity uh, in Christ encompasses a lot more than just one thing. But, but yet we look in our society today and we see how the enemy is working in every facet of society to steal identity. 
I was talking to somebody just the other day that had gotten a phone call uh, and, and this phone call, it was a scammer, and began to tell them how that, that they had won uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and that uh, all they needed to do was to uh, go to Dollar General and buy a, uh, uh, a gift card and, uh, and go through the process and let them know uh, about this gift card and, and that they would know then that they could send them the money. <clears throat> they were in the process of going to Dollar General when somebody, they told somebody about it and they said, hey, don't you realize that that's a scam? Well, it, but what about this money that I'm, I've won? And they said, you haven't won any money. You're about to lose some money. And they recognized what was going on. You see, the devil will promise people the moon, but not give them anything but the dust. And to go even deeper than that, we see in our culture today where People are, are challenging even your children on their identity. Even to the point of changing what has been originally put on their birth certificate. This is not something new. I remember years ago going to a church to hear someone speak that was very close to me. And as we sat there and listened to them speak, I realized that they were not using his or her. I realized that they were using we. And they were taking out of the Bible him, her, and she. And I, and I did... I, as we recognized it, and I found out later that they were not placing any gender on Christ. They could not refer to God as a him. They could not refer to Jesus as the Son of God. This was years and years ago that this was rising up. And now, we see in our culture how that they're trying to rob even our children of their identity of who they are. Why is that? Why is there such a battle today to change the identity? Why is it such a battle today to, to cause your children or your grandchildren to disregard their identity? I want to tell you something this morning, that you're, you're born male or female. It doesn't matter what you do to try to change it, 
the way you were born is who you are. But why is it that the world is trying to change that identity? Because the devil knows that, that if he can rob people of their identity, it's like pulling a plug on your gasoline. Because when you don't have identity, then you lose who you are. And if you lose who you are, you will fall for anything and everything that comes your way. If I don't know who I am as a man, then every lie from hell will come and I will accept it and fall for it. If, if my children don't know who they are as a child or a, a girl or a boy, then everything the devil throws their way, they will accept it. Why? Because they have no identity. I told you about in the book of Daniel chapter 1. Is the story of Daniel, not only Daniel, but, but three other young men that were taken captive into uh, the city of Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And remember, they, they were Hebrew boys that were taken from their home and they were taken into Babylon in captivity. The first thing. Notice, the first thing that took place was they gave them a change of names. You probably already know this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Daniel, that is, that is one of the major prophets of end time happenings. Daniel's name means God is my judge. But under the name that the king of Babylon gave to Daniel, it means that his name was Belshazzar. His name means to protect his life. The God of the Babylonians. Then we have Hananiah, one of the three Hebrew children that we refer to. His name means the Lord has been gracious. The name given to him by the Babylonian is Shadrach, the servant of Aku, the moon god. Then we have Mishael. His name became Meshach. Meshach simply means, who is this? Then we have Azariah. The, Lord, the, the name that he was given was Abednego. Azariah means, the Lord has helped. The name that he was given is the God of Wisdom. The moon god. These Babylonian gods. So what happened was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah had been given these names. And in, in the Hebrew culture, a name was a steering current of who the child was. That's the reason that we see many times where, like Abraham and Sarah, 
Uh, Abram started out as Abram. Sarai started out as Sarai. But when, when God began to make covenant with them and began to reveal to them the future and, and the destiny that they had, he changed Abram's name to Abraham and from Sarai to Sarah, which was, which was names that fit the destiny that they were going to have. Abraham and Sarah had a son named Isaac, and the name Isaac means that God has caused me to laugh. Jacob was a crook and a supplanter, but when God gave him, or when he had an experience with God by the brook, and God did a work in his life to the point that he was wounded, which is a picture that when God does something in someone's life, you can't walk away from it the same as you walked into it. But God said, Jacob, you're no longer going to be called Jacob, but now you're going to be called Israel. Because Jacob meant the supplanter or the deceiver, but Israel meant the father of many. You see, and what God did was he changed the name to fit the destiny that he had for them. So no wonder the devil wanted to change the name of, of Daniel who meant God is my judge and, and Hananiah who meant the Lord has been gracious and give them another name because the devil, his intention was to change their destiny. You see, in the battle that is going on even in the body of Christ today is that the enemy is wanting to change the identity so that he can change the destiny of people. Especially your children. You see, the war that is being waged today is much like it was with Daniel under captivity in Babylon. If you were here Wednesday night, we talked about the satanic trinity and how that, that the devil and, and uh, the antichrist and the false prophet were, were uh, rising up and it would become a trinity, just like we have a godly trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. But it is a ploy and a tactic of the enemy today. Why is it that in 2021 we have seen uh, uh, an exponential increase in uh, a war against our young people, our children, our grandchildren, of the enemy trying to shift their identity? Because if the, if the enemy can rob us of our identity, he robs us of our future. You see, he wants to distort, he wants to confuse, or he wants to hide who we are. 
men and women of God. This is not the time in our culture to be quiet. It is the time in our culture that we need to open our mouths and begin to declare who God is in us. We need to understand that if, my, if the gospel in me is hid, it is not hid to them that know Christ, but it is hid to them that don't know Christ. The greatest tool of my witness is my voice. But the enemy wants to hide that voice. If he can't hide that voice, his desire is to distort what God is doing. And distortion comes when people don't really know who they are in Christ. Distortion happens when I really don't know if God is really who he said he was or not. And then he wants to confuse. And he'll do these things by using people and their opinions by using culture, media, even family, and your thought processes. For several days, God has been dealing with me about this thing about identity and identification. And the war that's going on and the battle that's, that's taking place. And I want to encourage you this morning to understand, mom and dad, that if we are not intentional about teaching our children, raising them up to understand who they are in Christ, then we are subject to lose them to the faith. Because the culture that they are going out of your house into is one that is opposite of what they're getting in here today. The days of, of just catching it are over. It has not only got to be taught, but it needs to be lived there needs to be example for my children to follow. And so the enemy will do things and he will use people to come and people's opinions and ideas to twist and, and distort somebody's identity. The culture that has been bred in our society today is one that is filled with many people who don't know who they are. Listen, the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, it's the story of Peter and John. How they had gone down to the gate uh, beautiful or was at the gate beautiful going to worship that day. And there was a man there that was crippled. And as they went in, you know the story. Peter uh, looked at him because he asked him for some alms. And Peter looked at him and said, I don't have any silver and gold. 
what I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he reached and took this man by the hand and pulled him up. And it was a great miracle. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, after this had happened, they had been questioned by the council of people. And the Bible says that after they were questioned, that they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And they perceived that Peter and John were unlearned and ignorant men. And they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I want you to catch what is happening in this, in this passage of Scripture. Peter and John were not identified by their knowledge and their wisdom. People knew that what was coming out of them was not a result of their PhDs or their masters in divinity. But they recognized that that they were unlearned and they were ignorant men, but yet there was something that was coming out of them that was contrary to what they had learned. There was something that was coming out of Peter and John that, that did not line up with their education. It did not line up, line up with their ability, their natural ability. And so what identified them was this, that they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And there's a great story and a message in that, ladies and gentlemen, that, that we can pour uh, money into all kinds of things for our children and our family and all of those things, and we can, we can take them and, and, and show them and teach them all the things of the world. But when it comes down to it, friend, the identity that will mark them above every other person in their life is the fact that Jesus is living inside of them. Listen, I, I, I want to tell you this, that, that um, mom and dad raised six children and uh, uh, two daughters and, and four sons, and, 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 and we, we talk about this a lot in our family, and I'm not bragging or anything like that, but our family has been blessed, and, and uh, two of them have gone uh, and finished college. I was a dropout and all that. But, but anyway, uh, two of them have gone to finish college. But God has blessed tremendously our family. And I've seen times in my life that I've been standing in places and standing in positions and circles that I look around and I'm surrounded by all of these educated people and, and, and people that have PhDs and, and doctors and lawyers and all of that. And, and I look at myself and I say, God, what am I doing standing here? And he said, you're standing here because you identified with me and, the, and my favor is on your life. 
You see, Peter and John were identified. These people looked at him and said, listen, I don't understand because your education uh, couldn't have caused that to happen. Your wisdom couldn't have caused that to happen. It's got to be the fact that you've been with Jesus. You see, at the end of the day, Jesus, the Word of God said, I will raise up those who become abased, and I will bring down those who exalt themselves. So the key to it is not stepping on everybody as you're going up the ladder. The key to it is humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Listen to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Jesus looked at his disciples and he asked them this question. He said, who do you say that I, the son of man, am? Some of them looked at him and said, well, I've heard that people looked at you as John the Baptist. <clears throat> Somebody else spoke up and said, well, some have said you was Elijah. And then others said, you know, I hear John over there say, well, I heard somebody call him Jeremiah. And somebody else spoke up and said, well, I've heard him refer to as a prophet. I can almost see Jesus standing there. He said, that's not the answer that I was looking for. Because I'm not John the Baptist. I'm not Jeremiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not just some prophet. He said, who do you say that I am? Peter probably stands up and says, I tell you what, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Listen, everybody's got their opinions and ideas. But Peter stood up and said, I believe that you are Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. <clears throat> I've often thought about why did Jesus ask that question? Why did Jesus say, who do people say that I am? It wasn't to build his ego. It wasn't to make him feel good so that he could go back home and maybe tell Mary, this is what they're talking about, Mom. No. But what Jesus was prompting in his disciples was, how do you look at me? Who am I to you? Am I just a prophet? Am I just another man? But who am I to you? You see, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to answer that question before we can identify who we are. Jesus said to, to Peter, he said, Blessed art you, thou Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood 
did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. So catch that. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Peter says, I believe you are the Christ. Jesus said that wasn't revealed to you by the flesh, but it was revealed to you by the Spirit. You see, going back to where we started from, in the book of Luke chapter 15, what had happened was this young man had lost his identity. He had lost who he was. That's the reason the Bible says that he came to himself. And when he came to himself, he went back to his father. So what what identifies me as a Christian? What gives me the right to say that I am a born-again Christian? What are the identifying traits that make me a Christian? You see, with this young man that went back to his father, there were things that his father did that restored his identity. And the Bible says that the father said to his servants to bring forth a robe, a new robe, another robe, and put it upon the back of this son. Because the Bible says that all of my righteousness is as filthy rags. There is nothing in me that is good. There is none good, no, not one. You see, and sin has caused me to have on filthy rags and, and, and dirty clothes. Sin has marred every aspect of who I was. And so the first identifier that I am a child of God is that I have a robe of righteousness put on. That I am identified by what I'm wearing now. Say that again, I'm identified by what I'm wearing now. I am wearing a robe of righteousness. Not my righteousness, but the righteousness that has been given to me by the Father. Through the Son. And so so I am identified by the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus now. See, me being righteous in the eyes of God sets me apart from everybody else. The next thing that the father gave to the son was the ring. And the ring was an identifier of relationship. When the father put the ring on the finger of the son, he was identifying him as being in relationship with the son and the son being in relationship with the father. 
the ring is an identifier to the husband and the wife that they're married in many cases. You see what the enemy desires to do is to get people to walk out from under the clothing and to walk without the ring. The next thing that the father did for the son was he put shoes on his feet. Which says that he was no longer to, buy, to be identified as a slave or as a servant. But he was identified as a son. What identifies me as a Christian is walking in righteousness. What identifies me as a Christian is not walking in all the garbage and the junk that the world has to offer. It means that I've been set apart. It means that I am not spiritually dressed like everybody else. What makes me identified as a Christian is, the, is because I've received a ring of relationship. It's not your name on a roll of a church somewhere. It's not coming down shaking a preacher's hand. It is relationship with Christ. And then I understand that I'm a son. First Peter chapter 2, and I'm, I'm closing. First Peter chapter 2, verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded, and then in verse 9, Peter said this, he said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How are we identified? We're chosen we're a chosen generation. We are royalty. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. And one, one of the, the big indicators and identifiers of a man or a woman of God is they're kind of weird. They're kind of peculiar. They don't dance to the same music that the world dances to. They're peculiar. So don't be afraid of standards, ladies and gentlemen. Because your relationship with God must be built on standards of righteousness and holiness. Would you stand with me, please?
You see, when I recognize who I am in Christ, when I recognize what God has done in me, it goes farther than just an action. It's a relationship. And I'm And I want to encourage you this morning to recognize the assault that is taking place on your identity and upon your children's identity. And recognize the importance of letting your identity with Christ be known. To those around you. I believe that one of the greatest things that we can do in this hour is to recognize the power of the Word of God. And begin to declare the Word of God not only in our time of Bible study, but if I were to ask you this morning, how many of us in here today at least twice a week sit in your living room and talk about the Word of God? How many of us in here today take time during the week to open the Word of God and share it with our family. I wish that I could point my finger and say, you better get it right. But I'm the world's worst. of going about ministry and when I get home I am wiped out minister to everybody else 